Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Good. It's lovely to see all your smiling faces. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful spring morning that we're having here. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Ryan. Oh, sorry, I forgot that mic placement. <laughs> um, and I am the student ministries pastor here at Friends Church. Um, so I run the Switch program, and this is... Addison. I'm one of the teens at the Switch Youth program. Yeah. And for today and today only, we are going to be part of the charitable giving team. So I want to take this opportunity to thank everybody who financially supports Friends Church. Uh, you guys make this whole thing possible. Uh, that includes the kids' uh, program downstairs, Switch, over, we're usually over in that way. You guys probably hear us sometimes reverberating through the hallway. Um, as well as obviously the adult service and all of the community outreach that we do here at Friends Church. So on behalf of the Switch teens and myself, thank you guys. Now, if you don't currently uh, support Friends Church um, and you believe in what we're doing here and you're financially able to do so, I challenge you guys to take the plunge. Uh, super easy to do so. You can go online and do so. You can use the mobile app or you can use the black box there at the back of the auditorium. I also want to share something exciting that we're doing next Sunday. That'll be June 4th. And I'm going to let Addison explain a little further. Uh, the Switch teens and I discussed how we'd like to reach our world further this year, and we voted on a charity we'd like to support. We chose to do the Brown Bag Bake Sale, with all proceeds going to Brown Bagging for Calgary Kids Lunch Program. We will be baking all sorts of tasty treats to, and will be set up before and after the switch, the service next Sunday, June 4th. We accept cash, debit, and credit. Last year, we made $445 to support the ongoing humanitarian effort in Ukraine, and this year, we'd like to double that number. We'd really appreciate your support in helping us get there. Yeah, it's going to be tasty. <laughs> uh, so, Addison, can I ask you, why did you choose the Brown Bag program? Uh, brown Bagging is a lunch program. Lunch Bagging brown, brown Bagging Lunch Program is a program that provides nutritious lunches to kids that arrive at school with no lunches. They feed kids at school and that are learning at home. There are, in total, 24 community groups spread out throughout the city. The money we raise for this program is going to help fund the grocery cards that are given to the schools to help buy the food for the kids. Thank you. So, um, this is what we're all he about here at Friends Church and what we're about at Switch. Our mission at Switch, to explore strange new worlds. <laughs> To boldly go where no person has gone before. Uh, no, that's not actually our mission. However, that mission brought me here to Friends Church. And I'd be lying if I said that that mission hasn't influenced our Switch mission, which is uh, to empower teens and adults uh, to, with the skills that we need to enrich the world around us. Uh, and so it brings me a great deal of joy to see our mission working here in the real world and making a difference. And so I hope that uh, we can see all you guys next Sunday, that you can be a part of that mission. 
Um, and so thank you guys. Thank you for listening to us. And uh, we're going to take a five-minute break now. And, uh, you know, say hello to someone you don't know. Get some coffee, uh, chit-chat, and we'll see you back up here in five minutes' time. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Friends Church. Lovely to meet some of you for the first time. Uh, my name is Vince. Um, if you don't know me, one of the weird things about me is I love to read studies. Like, you know those weird ones that no one else likes to read? I, I, they fill my heart with joy. But it's not just because I'm a, well, no, I am a geek. Where was Ryan? He's shouting out to saying, geeky? Yep, hear you, brother. Um, I was reading a study, and suddenly I saw our world in a different way. I don't know if you've seen this, but as you look through our world, does it feel like we're more divided than we've been in a long time? Like disconnected, like group against group? But I also probably see more people alone, lonely, isolated. I was like, why, why is it our world feels this way now? Why? And I think part of the answer comes from a study I just read. Now, it's an interesting study. I'm not a parent, so I'm going to have, if you're a parent in the room, who, who has kids? Okay, I'm going to ask you guys to give me a shout-out when I, because I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, because I don't know about kids. But do four-year-olds seem like the most generous human beings that have ever lived? Is that, am I right in understanding that these people are the most selfish of all human beings? Okay, so then I was right, because I was reading a study about four-year-olds. And here's what the study did. Uh, to the cameraman, just go wide for a second for me, okay? I forgot to tell him that I'm going to walk off stage, and he's going to not like this very much. So they take a bunch of four-year-olds, and this is what they do. They get their favorite cereal, and not like, you know, the healthy, nutritious ones that my mom made me eat. No, like the kind... <laughs> Are you a four-year-old who wants... <laughs> She's already like, yeah. Okay, so they got a bunch of four-year-olds, and they had cereal. Now... In the study, because I read these things, it was actually cornflakes and oatmeal. Does anybody really like cornflakes or oatmeal? No. So, let me just do a quick show of hands. Of these two cereals, which is your favorite? Who's a um, frosted mini wheat? These are not the gross mini wheats. These are the frosted mini wheats. Frosted mini wheats? Any frosted mini wheat fans out there? Okay. How about honey nut Cheerios? The extra sugary version of the honey nut Cheerios. Okay, so what they did is they took a kid... And they said, okay, which is your favorite? Then they poured them a bowl of this, and the kid's sitting there with a spoon, right? Four years old. Most selfish human being in the world. Then what they did is they brought in a puppet to represent another human being. Now, in my brain, this is kind of what the kid's doing. Like, don't, whoa. And so they made the puppet really uniquely. They had puppet was one of two. Either the puppet liked the same cereal as the kid liked, or they liked the opposite cereal. So imagine what was happening. These little kids got like a bowl of the sugariest cereal in the world. That's their favorite in the world. And all of a sudden they bring in a puppet, and the puppet's like, Hi, I love your cereal. Will you share with me? What do you think happens? She's like not sharing, totally not sharing. She also has two siblings, so I get that. 
My reading of the thing would be like, no, that puppet's bad. They want my cereal. Because the core drive of us probably is to get calories so we don't die. That would make sense to me, right? The puppets who wanted my cereal are bad. The puppets who don't like my cereal, okay, those are fine because they're not going to steal my cereal on me. As you might have guessed, that is not where this went at all. In some bizarre inner wiring old brain thing, the kid who is the most selfish human being in the world, who loves their cereal more than anything, who does not want to share with anything, liked the puppets that liked the same cereal as them. Even if it meant that they'd have to share their cereal. They even did it, so what they did is they let, they, <laughs> this must have been the olden days when you could experiment on kids, because nowadays the ethics teams do not let you do stuff like this. But what they did is, so they, they brought the puppet, the ones that liked him, then they went out to the playground like an hour later, they brought the puppets back in. Still, the kids liked the puppets who shared the same cereal favorite as them. It's called in-group preference. We like people who like what we like. We will actually give up calories for people who are like us. Now that's interesting. But what I find really interesting is this. The puppet who liked the wrong cereal, the different cereal, the cereal that no one liked, that the kid didn't like, the person who is different, the kids disliked. Let me say that again. That in-group preference doesn't just say, oh, no, no, I like you because you like the same cereal as me. It goes one step further and says, I don't like you because you're different. I don't like you. I don't know you. I don't know your life story. I haven't hung out with you. But you like the wrong cereal. I don't like you. Now, this is old wiring. You know, there's three layers of brain. This is like way, 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 way back wiring, in-group preference. Or as I want to say, difference is bad. I was reading the story of Hagar and Sarah, a very old story, probably, I'm going to guess, 4,000 years. It's set in a time 4,000 years ago. Two women, Sarah, Hagar. Sarah is married. Hagar is her slave. Trying to think of a nice way of saying slave. Let's call it what it is, slave. But because of some cultural loophole, when Sarah can't get pregnant, she sends Hagar to her husband to get pregnant. But then, in a stroke of luck, Sarah gets pregnant. Two women going through pregnancy together, having their children together living in a time when they lived in a small family group. They didn't have any connection with anyone around them. It wasn't like a city where you could be like, you know, young mums meetup group, Facebook club, right? None of that. All you had was the people who were within, you know, a little bit of a walk from your house. But what blew me away and what said, what I realized how powerful this serial thing is and how long we've been watching this, this is how they described it. Sarah 
and Hagar the Egyptian. Sarah is an Israelite. For the whole story, they don't just say Hagar, the wife, Hagar, the mother, Hagar, the woman who's pregnant, just like her. Like, none of that stuff. It's Hagar, the Egyptian. Which, if I was going to translate it now, I would say Hagar, the different. And what does this serial teach us about that? Hagar, the one we don't trust. Hagar, the one we don't like. Hagar, the bad. Where have you seen difference presented as bad in a way that's hurt society? Where have you seen groups that identify not in all the sameness, it's just difference. Oh, we think this. So right now, the election's tomorrow, right? It's all, who are you voting for? Oh, you're different than me. Uh -uh. We're literally human beings living in a city, like a million things the same, but what are we focused on? The one thing that's different. And what does that do to the old wiring in our brains? You're voting for who? Think about it as you go through your life. How much are we focused on difference? And what if we're not conscious, if the seer experiment and you know, the oldest stories of wisdom we have says somehow our brain thinks different is bad. How much of that unconscious bias is driving our worlds right now? It's keeping us disconnected. Othering people. And again, othering, when we, you know that word othering? Oh, they're different than me? What does your brain do? Different is bad. They're somehow bad. And again, it's not, you won't think enemy-like. But there's a subtle shift inside of us that says somehow, if we're different, there's something wrong. They're not safe. I should maybe stay away from those people. Those people are going to suck me dry. I I don't like that. And what we realize, if we're not conscious, is that's old wiring, in-group preference, serial preference being the same thing. But when we're not conscious of it, it will turn us as enemies against the people around us. So how do we fix it? I don't know about you, but now that I can see that part of my life, I go, whoa, 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 no, I don't want that. How do I fix that? There's a story called the Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan is a story about serial preference. Or at least that's how we think of it. A Jewish man, who likes mini wheats, gets mugged, is laying on the ground. A bunch of people who also like mini wheats come by. What do we know? In-group preference says those people should do what to that person? Take care of them. You're one of us. You're in group. We like you. But two walk by and they don't do anything. And then the story blows the reader's minds. Because it says somebody who likes the wrong... Actually, it's not even this. This isn't good enough. Wrong cereal is not good enough. These people like mini-wheats. 
that person wakes up to cigarettes and coffee. Like, that's how different it is. Like, we're not even in the same ballpark here. That person walks up and sees somebody, and what do we know from that inner wiring, that old wiring in our brain? There should be a distrust of that person, a dislike, a sense of like, ooh, that person's not the right kind of person. And that's what's so, so challenging about the story. That person who doesn't like this thing, who looks at them and says, no, something, I shouldn't trust them because they're different from me. That person takes care of them, takes them to a hospital, an air quote hospital. They didn't have those things back in then. But let's just say, somebody who maybe knew a little bit more than they did about healing people. Paid for them to be taken care of. Paid for their medical care. And that's already a good enough story. Like, this story stands on its own. But here's the deal. The story is set into a larger story that punches even higher than this one. Jeremy, can you throw up the model, spiritual journey model for me? Actually, you know what? I'm going to give a shout out to Greg back there. Sorry, Greg, I didn't tell you, but me and Greg had a conversation just a couple weeks ago and got me thinking about this. You see, we built this spiritual journey uh, model. It's just a model. It's not true. If, you know, next week I'm going to probably change it and do something different. But for now, it's helpful. That bottom line above awareness, I, them. You look how it's separated. I and them, right? I and them. But here's the thing. That old wiring says, no, no, it's not just I and them, neutral. It's I against them. We have this subtle bias that says, no, 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 I against them. You can see it in strangers. You walk into a room, you don't feel connected, and suddenly you're going, no, no, they don't like me. They don't think I fit in. I against them. It's a natural way of our brain thinking. That old wiring makes us feel alone, disconnected, not belonging, all these feelings. And we drew it that way to say, at the beginning, you have to figure out who am I? What cereal do I like? Because some of y'all fix this by just not ever liking a cereal. When I say, what cereal do you like? You're like, I don't know, which one do you like? So you got rid of the I altogether. But at the beginning of our spiritual journey, there's an I and there's a them. And there's a natural pull to say I against them. Uh, when you first get together with somebody, once you, you know, if you're in a romantic relationship... You're going to go through this honeymoon phase where you're all jacked up on hormones and drugs that makes you just think that everything about the other person is perfect. And then reality hits. And you realize, I am different from them. And I'm against them. They want something that I don't want. They want something from me that I don't want to give. And we have this flavor of I against them. And if we're not conscious, we'll live our lives this way. We'll look outside and see a bunch of people who are different from us and go, oh, no, 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 we're against those people. And again, I'm making it very obvious. It won't show up that way. It'll show up as an anxiety or a feeling. Ah, I can't trust that person. That person said something. I'm going to take it in the worst possible way because I don't know, those people are, oof. Now, we can do the spiritual work. Once we realize, okay, wait, my base wiring is I against them, we can elevate ourselves 
to the next level. So top of I against them, where it overlaps with we. And we start looking at other people differently. It's not against anymore. We make the deliberate decision to say, wait, no, 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 no. What if that costs us too much? What if the I against them is destroying our society? It's making me feel alone and anxious. What if, what if I looked at that person and said, no, no, no. What if we both try and work together? We. The shorthand we use for this section is the we called win-win. Instead of I against them, it's like, no, no, no. Um, that's costing us too much. That's not going to work. <laughs> you see... I shouldn't laugh. But you see married couples who are like 30 years in, still in eye against them. Anyone, don't put up your hand, but you know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) And don't point at anyone in the room. Do not do that. But you can feel them. They're just always against each other. Anything that happens, it's like, ah, ah. These are the people, like, when you find out they're going to be at the gathering, you're like, ooh, I'm busy that day. (laughs) Because that energy just feels so gross. When people elevate themselves to win-win, something shifts. Now, the reason I tell you all this is because the Jesus Good Samaritan story is framed in this. Someone walks up to Jesus and says, essentially, what do I need to be, do to be a good person? I'm cutting through a whole bunch of story here. Just trust me. Essentially, what they come to is love your neighbor, which is another way of saying the win-win of we. But the guy walks up to Jesus and he's having this conversation. He says, you know, what do I need to do? Jesus says, you need to love your neighbor. You need to be in this win-win of we. But the guy's smart. He doesn't want to do it. So he says a really important question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who is my neighbor? Meaning, who do I have to be in we with? And the answer is the Good Samaritan story. A man is mugged, who likes this cereal, someone who likes a completely different cereal, who doesn't even like cereal, shows up and takes care of him. And then Jesus asks the man, who's trying to get out of the weeks, he's like, you know, I want to be against those people. You know, people like me, my in-group preference, the people who like the same cereal as me, oh yeah, I'll take care of those people. But those people over there, they're not my neighbor, I don't have to worry about them, right? They're the enemy. And Jesus says, Who was the man who was mugged? Neighbor. Who was the neighbor to the man who was mugged? The Samaritan. The person who liked the wrong cereal. The person who was so different, who shouldn't have any in-group preference to do this work. It shouldn't have made sense. He's the one. Now, um, for those of you who grew up in the church, just let me throw a couple bombs out here. Jesus was a Jew. He wasn't a Christian. Christianity came after. Jesus is a Jew. And so when I read about Jesus, I try and look at him through a Jewish lens. And there's a New Testament that's called the Annotated Jewish New Testament. It's a bunch of Jews who make commentary on the stories in the Bible to understand them in a Jewish context. If you or geeky about this stuff like me, I highly recommend this one. But I want to quote the end of their commentary 
on the Good Samaritan story. Because I think they capture what's going on. Can you throw it up for me, Jeremy? The issue is not who is my neighbor. Now, I know I told you the whole point is who is my neighbor, but just read along. The issue is not who is my neighbor, but can we recognize that the enemy, without you even knowing it, the person who doesn't like the same stuff as you, who doesn't dress like you, who doesn't have kids like you, who doesn't live in the same area as you, whatever, who doesn't have the same values as you, can you recognize those people? They might be your neighbor. And you can be in win-win with those people. But can you accept the description of the out-group preference person, the person who's different, the person who you shouldn't like? Can you accept that that person is your neighbor? I have a friend. She's from Argentina. Very thick accent. Very thick. She can't say hello without you knowing English is not her first language. Now, she's doing great. She's been here for a couple years. Great. But every time she walks into any room, the first thing she knows is they're going to hear her accent. And what do you think she thinks in her head? She's focusing on, I'm different. They can all see, I'm different. You can see it in her body language. It's, it's not like, hello. It's like, hello? Do you accept me? Do I belong? She says it actually, when she's not healthy, it causes her to stay home. Now, some of you, English is your second language. That's fine. But we all have something, Right? We can walk into a room like her and feel something's different. You know, if there's a room full of, <laughs> I find it with a room full of pastors. I remember one time trying to go through the border and the guy's like, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. He's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, can I still get into the States if you don't believe me? Like, I'm really a pastor. Do I need to quote some Bible verse for you? I don't feel like I fit. I walk into a room full of pastors. They're all like clean cut. They don't swear. They're like, they do everything right. I don't know. What is the classic pastor haircut? More like Jeff's, like kind of like a nice coma. <laughs> I think like some sketchy skid that like, <laughs> this big, there's a big sign on my head, you do not fit here. And then I drop an F-bomb because I'm like, oh no. And then I'm, I was like, oh geez. But I can feel that othering, right? I against them. And in this case, I feel like I'm the them and they're the, all the eyes and they're looking at me going like, what are you doing here, chump? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Can you feel that bias inside of you? But what do we do? How do we get from that first layer, I against them, into the we? I think, we think, Jeff, I'm going to speak for you. <laughs> Give me a thumbs down if you don't agree with me. <laughs> oh, he's already giving me a thumbs down. Damn. It's spiritual work. To go from I against them, that old wiring, to elevate yourself to being able to see a we is spiritual practice. It's consciousness. It's, I can give it a mil million different names, but it's deliberately saying, no, 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 no. My friend walks in the room, thick accent. And instead of only seeing the difference, which is I don't speak English like you speak English, she could walk in and say, oh, they're all a bunch of humans. Same, same. 
That person has the same hair as me. Same, same. They're having a bad hair day, just like I'm having a bad hair day. Same, same. Of course, she doesn't have a bad hair day. If you're listening to this, I apologize. You can focus on the similarities. So let's try something here. I just want you all to kind of look around. Crane your neck around. Look at all the people around you. Now look for all the differences. Look for the coffee. Are they drinking the same coffee as you? No. Are they dressed the same as you? No. Are the same genders you? No. Same skin colors you? No. Look around. Focus only on the difference. Try and find whatever's different in the people around you. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, that didn't feel very good. Why? Because different is bad. That's the old wiring. Now, here's what I want you to do. Before you look around, focus on the fact that we're all here at the spiritual gym to try and live better lives. We're all here for the same reasons. Now look around and see the fact that you're sitting in the spiritual gym with a bunch of other people who are all trying to do the same work. Look around for a second. You notice that suddenly it's not awkward laughter, like everyone's like, hey, you're looking at me like, Consciously looking for similarities gets around that old code. And suddenly, we all feel connected. Now, it's not a magic pill. There's a million things that create disconnection. But it's the beginning. The Good Samaritan says, could you see that that person, even though they're stereotypic, they're not, they don't fit your in-group, find some connection to them. I was coaching, I was, one of my coaches was coaching me on this one. He's like, it was Jerry. You know Jerry, double lung transplant, they cut him in half, pulled out his lungs, stuffed the new set in there, put him back together. He's literally functional. I don't know how he does it. He's at the hospital because he's always at the hospital because he's got a different set of lungs in him. But he's sitting there and he's going to get some back, something done on his back. Everyone in that area is like the back procedure area. And he says, there's a girl there. And she's wearing like thigh-high red stiletto heel boots. Jerry is not wearing thigh-high stiletto red boots. His brain instantly goes to, well, those are different. But then he does something different. He says, yeah, I can focus on the differences. But I can also focus on the similarities. So he hobbles over, sits next to her. What are you in for? Same procedure you're in for. How'd it go? And pretty soon they have a half-hour conversation around this procedure that they're all doing. All the people who are awkwardly sitting beside each other with this girl with the red stiletto thigh-high boots, they're all leaning in, having a great conversation because the similarity is we're about to get a bunch of needles stuck in our backs because we have back pain. Similarity. How much of our lives do we focus on the differences of people around us? And now you know, what is that doing to the old wiring in our brains? I'm different. I don't belong. I don't like those people. But we can consciously choose to see the similarities consciously choose. As soon as I had you guys look around at each other, you could feel the energy was different when I said, hey, 
focus on the similarities. You can put a note on your door before you go out. (laughs) Focus on the similarities. There's some of you who are just ninjas at this. I've seen you do it. When I'm out with you guys and someone says, hey, do you motorbike? I go really specific so there's no way for you to connect with me. I'm like, I ride this dirt bike, I ride in this area, and the person's like, oh, I ride a little bit different dirt bike in a different area. Oh, we're not the same. You're like, no, no, no. Similarities, Clausen. You can actually feel a sense of we with complete strangers if you're willing. Now, if that was all that I had to say and that was all French Church is about, that wouldn't be bad, right? I taught you guys a new skill. Look for similarities. You'll feel more connected. You'll help the world feel more connected. But French Church exists to help to inspire you to a spirituality that makes the world a bit better. Let me go back. Can I get you guys to come up? Just give me a minute here. There's something more you can do. You see, my, my friend from Argentina walks into a, a party. She knows that as soon as she says hello, everyone's going to find her different. Now, she can do for her own sake. She can go, no, 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 yes, but there's a mother out there, and I have a child. Okay, connection, similarity. I can do all these different things. There's a humans. Oh, that person likes tequila. I love tequila. Perfect. That person wants to go deep. I love going deep. Similarity. It's beautiful. But that's just for her. You see, at Friends Church, just throw up the spiritual model for me again, Jeremy. We have this we, and this is the part that Greg pointed out. Above the I and the them, we call it the transcendent we. If you look on the side, it says the spiritual realm. It's when I don't quite know how to talk about it. That's why I call it the spiritual realm. I usually wave my hands when I describe it. Because it's not really like physical. I get it. I, them, Right? To go to the next level, we've called it many different things. Stage four spirituality, you might have heard it. Ego death, and Eckhart Tolle fans. Um, there's a bunch of different words for it. But what happens to us is we start to see that I and them are false categories. We are not as separate as we think we are. Now, you parents out there, I'll use my dad as an example. When I was growing up, I liked to learn from doing things. So I liked to make mistakes. So I was constantly banged up, and my dad's taking me for stitches, and you know, all this crap. And he was always on my case. He's like, stop, like just learn from what I'm telling you. Don't do that. Dad, I can jump my motorbike across this. No, don't do that. Okay, we're going to the hospital. But I was always like, why are you always on my case to learn from your lessons? And you parents know this because when your kid is hurt, it hurts you, doesn't it? Because parents don't have as much of a separation between I and them. It's much more like this. We're together. Your pain is my pain. Now, the spiritual masters, the mystics said, this whole idea of I against them, it's a false way of looking at things. The reality is, your pain is in the people with you, and their pain can be inside of you. There is no I against them. There's no separation. There's only all of us together. If you're an island in the room right now, this is going to make you squirm, because you don't like this feeling. But we can literally 
heal the world by healing us or realizing that they are not separate from us. This is why we spend so much time on what people call self-help. Because when I heal my pain, I'm actually healing the pain of the people around me when I look at this transcendent we. And so when my friend walks into that party, she can go, oh, I feel disconnected from them. I can find similarities, so I feel a bit more connected to them. But we can do one last thing where we go, no, no, no. Anyone who feels like they don't belong, I take on some of their pain. Because we're all together. And so instead of her trying to feel connected, what she can do is give the gift of belonging to the people around her. You can reach out to the people who you can see don't feel like they belong. And as a gift, go, no, 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 we are together. You fit. You belong. That's magical spirituality. The gift you can give to everybody if you choose. Now you have a choice because you know as soon as you know something, it's hard. Like, you can ignore me and say, Vince, you're full of crap. There's no such thing as this cereal box experiment. What you said makes no sense. You can do that, and fair enough. But now you can look at your life and go, wait, 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 wait. In these relationships, am I I against them? Am I looking at my partner and everything they say, I'm taking the wrong way? Am I identifying as other than the group? Or am I looking around going, no, no, I don't fit, and those people don't fit? Are you living in this space? Or can you consciously elevate it and say, no, 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 what's the same? What's the same about us? How do we feel connected? And then if we're spiritual ninjas, which I rarely am, we can go, no, 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 no. Your pain is my pain. Your not belonging is my not belonging because we're not disconnected. We're all connected. And anything I can do to heal you, anything I can do to heal me, heals all of us. If you're willing. The spiritual journey is in every moment of our lives wondering which layer, which layer are we at? and then making a conscious choice to elevate it. You're probably wondering why I have the band here. Because we're going to sing Hey Jude again. But we're going to sing Hey Jude through this message framework. Because you can do this. You can be like, oh, I don't sing, or I sing, or whatever it is that you think is different from everyone else, and go, no, no, the whole community is against me because somehow I'm doing whatever they're not. You can do it that way. Or you can go, wait, I'm going to be who I am and realize that we're all in this together. Some of us are going to sing. Some of us are not going to sing. Some of us are going to sing beautifully. Some of us are going to not sing beautifully at all. I ask you to turn off my mic as soon as I start singing, please. (laughs) You don't need to hear that stuff. But we can go one step further. We can now, if we're in that space, we can open ourselves up to do what the people around us need to feel like they are connected.
we can bless the world through song. I don't know where you sit with singing. I'm a horrible singer. Friend Church has a culture of we don't tend to sing along. I asked them to do a song that I heard off of Ted Lasso where they all had to sing along. And I was like, we should totally do that because that's what this whole message is about. So just feel as we sing, whether you're a singer or not singer, feel what you're feeling. You're feeling disconnected. You're not feeling disconnected. Can you transcend? If you're the person next to you who sings and you don't, can you feel like, no, no, we're still at the spiritual gym. Okay, we're connected. And can you maybe be that person who can do whatever it is you do for the people around you and realize that we are not so disconnected as I and them. You can either go old school, the world has a different cereal that likes a different cereal than you, you can do that. Or we can elevate, realize that we can connect and then we can be the ones who connect. My prayer is for you, our prayer is for you, Say we do the work to be able to do these different levels and offer the world the gift of belonging. Have a great week, everybody. Jeff's up next week, and I completely forgot what he's going to talk about, but it's really freaking good. So you should totally come out. Have a great week, everybody.